From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. And welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which I serve as vice chair, released our annual report today recommending 14 countries as countries of particular concern. What does that mean? I'll explain in a bit. But China, topping the list once again, is one of the most egregious abusers of religious freedom. We'll talk about it with Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn in just a moment. She'll also fill us in on the details of the Women's Right to Know Act that she is sponsoring in the U.S. Senate. And today I am announcing that the Justice Department has opened a civil investigation to determine whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of unconstitutional or unlawful policing. That was Attorney General Merrick Garland earlier today saying the guilty verdict in Derek Chauvin trial yesterday was not enough. While the prosecution made the case about Derek Chauvin saying that the police were not the problem, the Biden administration appears to be making the case about the police. We'll talk with former Baltimore Deputy Police Commissioner Jason Johnson about the impact that this may have on law enforcement and crime in America. And speaking of the Department of Justice, a group of Republican senators led by Kentucky Senator Rand Paul are calling on the department to investigate the unlawful participation of Planned Parenthood in the Paycheck Protection Program. You might recall that they raked in over $80 million in federal money from the program. Senator Paul is here a little later. And the results of a national survey of likely voters just released by the McLaughlin and Associates, which I actually had to read twice because the numbers are astounding. It's not even close when you ask voters about their view on voter ID laws or the cancel culture, not to mention their view of the hypocrisy in major league sports. The media has clearly failed in their efforts to brainwash the American people on the Georgia election law. We'll talk about the results with John McLaughlin a little later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. All right. Earlier today, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which I serve as the vice chair, released our annual report, our 2021 report. I moderated the release. Fourteen countries being recommended as countries of particular concern. That means these are countries that have engaged in ongoing, systematic, egregious uh, forms of religious persecution. Now, four, ten of these countries Already designated, we're calling for redesignation of Burma, China, Eritrea, Iran, Nigeria, North Korea, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Tajikistan, and Turkmenistan. Also, adding four countries, recommending four countries to the State Department, India, Russia, Syria, and Vietnam. But while each of these are measured on their own merits, China rises to the top of the list because what they're doing which is horrific within their own borders, is actually not staying there. They're exporting a lot of the technology and using their international leverage with other countries. Join me now to talk more about China and to talk, and we're going to be talking about the uh, new legislation that Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn uh, has introduced. We're going to be joined by her in just a moment. I I want to go back uh, while we're waiting to connect with her the issue of international religious freedom, 
was a top priority from the previous administration. And so the threshold, the the bar, I should say, has been set pretty high for the incoming Biden administration. Uh, and, and so the commission kind of waiting for the Biden administration to, to be able to get people in place on the ground, but hopeful that we'll see a continuation of a focus in our international foreign policy on this issue of religious freedom. Now, there's a secondary list, which is a special watch list uh, that uh, looks at these countries that meet two of the three criteria. Their uh, violations of religious freedom may not reach the level of all three of egregious, systematic and ongoing, uh, but two of the three are present. And uh, those countries are also about 10 of those countries are being recommended. Uh, Joining us now to talk more about China uh, is Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Good to be with you. Now, I'm sure you don't need to read the USERF report to know that China is a bad actor. You have been working on this issue for quite some time. Indeed. And China is one of the biggest defenders when it comes to religious liberty and freedom. You can look at their record of human rights violations and the genocide that they are carrying out against the Uyghur Muslim population in China. And they have, they're using them as slave labor. And by the way, Tony, they're making products for the NBA, the licensed products for the NBA, uh, MLB. They are, um, this is all work of the Communist Chinese Party, the CCP. It is taking place in Xinjiang province. Uh, These companies that are U.S. companies, whether it's Apple or Nike or any other number of U.S. companies, they are literally in partnership with these Chinese-owned companies that are owned in large part by the Chinese Communist Party who continues to carry out a genocide against the Uyghur Muslim minority. They are trying to eliminate this population. They use them as slave labor in the factories. We all know about the human rights abuses against the Tibetans and the Inner Mongolians. We're all aware of what the Chinese Communist Party has done to the Hong Kong freedom fighters and how China really went back on their word. And they uh, said, Hong Kong, we're coming and we're going to take you back. And that's what they've done. And now you see policemen the law enforcement from the Chinese Communist Party goose-stepping through the streets of Hong Kong. Senator, I'm going to jump ahead of myself here. I'm going to talk about this later with John McLaughlin. Uh, McLaughlin and Associates, a poll that was just released. But you brought up the issue of the Major League Baseball. And here is a poll. This is of uh, likely voters, representative of the, the, the public. This is not slanted conservative or liberal. Here's the question. Please indicate whether you agree or disagree with the following statement. Before Major League Baseball and other corporations boycott Georgia over voter laws, they need to boycott communist China, with whom they hold lucrative business deals and investments with for using slave labor, persecuting Christians and other religions, and prohibiting free and democratic elections. Uh, This was not even close. This is among a a representation of the American people. Sixty-seven percent agree with that. Only... 19% disagree. Clearly, the American public is not on the side of major sports, major league baseball or basketball, uh, but rather with the persecuted minorities in China. 
You're you're precisely correct about this. I had someone stop me in the grocery store recently, and they were so frustrated with COVID-19, which, by the way, originated in Wuhan, China. And what that had done to interrupt the junior and senior years of her children. And she said, you know, I look now at where everything is made. And I'm a careful shopper because I do not want to support entities that are going to cozy up to the communist Chinese. And she said, you know, I've started looking at what the Chinese Communist Party is trying to do. They want to dominate us. This would ruin my children's lives. And I just really appreciated her awareness and the fact that she was keeping up with what was happening with current events and how shocked she was to see these countries, companies be so outspoken about things they disagree with in the United States, the land of the free, the home of the brave. And yet they are using the fact that they are a U.S.-based company operating with free people in a free market system, and they're manufacturing these products in China. And because they are working with these Chinese companies, then whether it's a manufacturing company or China TV or Tencent, any of these companies, they are using one set of standards in dealing with China and a different set of standards in the United States. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, to to your constituent there, she's not alone. More and more people are exercising their voice with the dollars that they spend. And that's extremely important because we can all play a part in this. I, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, well, significantly, I want to come back to a domestic issue, although there's certainly a tie because, you know, we've seen the forced abortions in China. Uh, we've seen what they've done uh, and, and how they are now facing a demographic winter that's uh, just around the corner for them. But I want to come back to the United States and you're introducing legislation that uh, addresses really the dark side. And it's there's a lot of darkness in the abortion industry, but they're cloaking uh, in keeping information from women as it pertains to abortion. And you you are the sponsor of the Women's Right to Know Act. Explain that to our listeners. Yeah, you know, Tony, it's so interesting to me. Any medical procedure that you go in for, you are given a list of what will be the effects, what will take place with the procedure, the side effects that you could experience. You are given just so much information. I had a family member recently have an outpatient procedure, and there was like an inch-high stack of paper that went with the procedure and the follow-up and the medication. And, you know, what we see is while that is done for medical procedures in the abortion industry, they do not want to provide that information for informed consent. And women should be given all the information. What is the procedure? What are the side effects? What could possibly go wrong? What will I experience physically, mentally, emotionally? What is the expectation? That is how people are able to make informed consent. But 
when it comes to abortion, it is like hands off. Keep it a secret. Don't give women the information. Just when they say they want to, to have an abortion, all right have an abortion and how many times have we talked to women who are post-abortive women who have said if i had known then what i know now i would have made a different decision mm-hmm. and then they go on and they talk about regrets they talk about physical pain uh, i've talked to women who were never able to have a child after having an abortion uh, there are just they these are really very difficult conversations to hear and they are just so heartbreaking and you know sometimes when you sit and you you just put your arms around a woman that has been through this with deep regret you know that it would be a good thing to make certain that women know what they're right. going to face Absolutely. it's a way to protect women and unborn children and uh, we're going to encourage people to get behind that legislation that you're introducing we're going to have a link to it at our website tonyperkins.com Uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn, thanks for joining us, and thanks for leading out on these important issues. You got it. Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate it. Bye now. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, uh, these are types of legislation, pieces of legislation that need our help. So I encourage you to go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and uh, get behind it. All right, coming up next, Jason Johnson, former deputy superintendent from Baltimore, joins us with the fallout from yesterday's decision in Minnesota. Don't go away. What is Roe v. Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? 
Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Our U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland earlier today announced that the Justice Department is launching an investigation into the practices of the Minneapolis Police Department. In his announcement, he noted that yesterday's verdict in the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin does not address potentially systematic policing issues in Minneapolis. The investigation I am announcing today will assess whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of using excessive force, including during protests. The investigation will also assess whether the MPD engages in discriminatory conduct and whether its treatment of those with behavioral health disabilities is unlawful. President Biden, in his remarks yesterday, also made clear that the Chauvin verdict is just the beginning, stating the need for confronting head-on systematic racism and racial disparities that exist in policing. It was a murder in the full light of day, and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism the vice president just referred to. There was systemic racism as a on our nation's soul. What implications might what we see unfolding have for law enforcement and crime across the nation? Joining me to talk about this, Jason Johnson, former deputy police commissioner for the city of Baltimore and now president of the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. Jason, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be with you, Tony. Now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this like uh, pretty much every other American. I have the facts. I was not a part of the jury. Um, I do have the benefit of being on the street as a police officer for about 10 years. Uh, I would say that Derek Chauvin uh, broke the law. And now while I think there was piling on here, uh, I certainly think, you know, there was uh, there was wrongdoing on on his behalf. But is he a scapegoat? Um for the left that is demanding the defunding and the removal of police from the streets of America? Well, I don't know if scapegoat is the right word, but I certainly think that that the the prosecution and conviction of Derek Chauvin is being used as a launch pad for a panoply of efforts at uh, so-called police reform that I think are misguided, excessive, and will really erode uh, the quality of law enforcement that we have enjoyed in this country for decades. 
Uh, you already see that happening. You, you already see violent crime skyrocketing in most cities and, and measures of police productivity are plummeting. And uh, that is a concerning sign. But I think, unfortunately, we're early in this cycle. And a lot of the uh, uh, the activities you've seen over the last couple of days and, and most most notably the rhetoric coming from the White House and from other uh, prominent Democrats uh, on Twitter and in other places, basically tearing down law enforcement as a profession uh, are, are deeply concerning to me and to us. Uh, Jason, the prosecution in the case, uh, they went to great lengths to make it very clear that they were not pointing out law enforcement. This was about one individual, Derek Chauvin. But that message seems to be countered today by the U.S. Attorney General, who says they now need to investigate the entire police department there in Minneapolis. Well, it's a familiar tactic. It was used in the Obama administration widely, where whenever there was a controversial police-involved incident that, that garnered the public's attention, they would launch a pattern of practice investigation into that entire agency. I had a front row seat at that in Baltimore in the wake of the Freddie Gray death and this, it's, ha it's going to happen again over the next four years under the Obama administration and Garland Department of Justice. These investigations are uh, sweeping in scope, uh, intensive, year-long, 18-month-long investigations that normally result in a consent decree that costs hundreds of millions of dollars um, to uh, monitor and implement uh, so-called reform and take 10 to 15 years. Um, and we're going to see that. I think we're going to see that repeatedly under the, this administration. Now, Jason, you've stated in looking at the numbers from the federal government's own numbers, the FBI, that we've seen a huge spike in violent crime in the last year. You attribute that to the the attack on law enforcement as they have kind of backed away, not engaging in such aggressive uh, law enforcement practices. I mean, there's going to be fallout from this. I can only imagine we're going to see more of that, which means we're only going to see an increase, a greater increase in violent crime. Absolutely. I think that problem will deepen. Now, interestingly, I, I see some prominent Democrats uh, in their messaging are trying to attribute um, some uh, dissatisfaction by law enforcement at the result of the Chauvin trial. I don't see that at all. I think law enforcement largely understood that prosecution, except the verdict as the product of a fair trial. But it's the other things. It's the imputation of guilt that people have taken from um, the, um, this case in Minneapolis and spread it throughout every high-profile police use of force, including one yesterday in Columbus, Ohio. Um, consent decrees, rhetoric uh, negative about police, uh, rolling back of procedural due process rights for police officers, threatening qualified immunity uh, for police officers. Um, these are the things that it's not as if uh, police officers are taking an immature reflexive action saying, you know what, I'm going to take my toys and go home. They're making a risk management decision right. where they understand what the stakes are. And um, and you hit the nail on the head. Well, when you see Congresswomen like Maxine Waters out on the streets demanding what they call justice and not going away if they don't get it, I mean, that sends a message to men and women in law enforcement. The message is guilty, and uh, the presumption is you're guilty if you're involved in any of these high-profile uses of force that make their way um, onto a YouTube video or become viral on social media or result in a, a tragic outcome. Then that's going to be used. Uh, you, um, 
there, there's been a lot of activity on social media today calling for the prosecution or worse of the officer involved in that Columbus use of force, uh, use of deadly force, right. which of course was in the midst of a, a young woman getting ready to be stabbed. Right. And Jason, that's a good point, because I think what's, what's going to happen, actually, unfortunately, you're going to see law enforcement officers hesitate and they will lose their lives and the public they're protecting will be at greater risk as well because of the hesitation of using deadly force when necessary. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Great to talk with you again. Great. Thanks for having me. And, folks, I want to encourage you to join us uh, tonight for our Pray Vote Stand, our weekly edition. We'll be talking more about this issue, praying through it. We are at a critical moment as a nation. What's the way forward? Join us tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time for Pray Vote Stand. Coming up next, Rand Paul joins us right here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So glad to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Right, Republican members of the Senate Small Business Committee, led by Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, are calling for an investigation into the unlawful participation of Planned Parenthood's affiliates in the Paycheck Protection Program. That was a part of the response to the coronavirus and the government shutdown Uh, In May of 2020, the U.S. Small Business Administration notified a number of Planned Parenthood affiliates that they had wrongfully applied for 38 of these paycheck protection loans, uh, totaling more than $80 million. 
Now, the Small Business Administration determined that these local affiliates were ineligible for the loans under the applicable affiliation rules and that the loans they received should be returned. Well, according to an update just last month, most of those Planned Parent affiliates had not returned their money, the money they got from the government. And not only that, at least one more affiliate was approved for a second PPP loan. Well, leading the call for this investigation, Senator Rand Paul, as I mentioned, he joins us now. Senator Paul, welcome to the program. Great to be with you, Tony. All right. Uh, you, you are pressing this issue. Uh, this was illegally ac- acquired money, according to the guidelines of SBA. Yeah, we have some pretty strong evidence. Um, when the program was set up, it was this program for small businesses that were being shut down because of the pandemic to keep them from going out of business. But uh, they specifically excluded big businesses. And so Planned Parenthood is a big abortion business, and they have, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of affiliates across the U.S., but the affiliates work underneath Planned Parenthood. They work underneath the board. They get directions from the board. So the ruling has always been that they're not individual. They are part of this big group called Planned Parenthood. So the Trump administration saw this, saw that they had applied, got money, and the Trump administration concluded that they had gotten the money illegally, that it wasn't for big business like Planned Parenthood. It was for small businesses and that their affiliates didn't count. So they made a ruling. This is a longstanding ruling on what affiliates are and who controls them. And so the Trump administration said, send the money back. A few of the Planned Parenthoods did send some money back, but most of them kept the money. And then we get to the Biden administration. So when they came before the small business committee that I'm the ranking Republican on, we asked them, we said, look, we've we've looked at the data now, and we've actually seen that you're giving second loans to Planned Parenthood after you already told them it was illegal. It says, why aren't you pursuing getting all of the money back? And why in the world would you be giving second loans to entities that you said were getting it illegally? They sort of profess not to understand it. And when you ask them, because they had bragged in their testimony that they had a surveillance program on illegal loans, it's like, well, why aren't you doing something about this? And then I asked him directly, the small business administrator, I said, have you changed the policy? Have you changed the Trump policy? And are affiliates now able to get, you know, this PPP money? He says, no, we haven't changed the policy. So we have a conflict here. The policy and the law says Planned Parenthood shouldn't get it, and yet they still get it and are getting more loans. So we immediately then sent a letter to the Department of Justice, to the Inspector General for the Small Business Administration, and uh, to the Small Business Administration. There's not a lot of belief that we're going to get much action because these are run by Biden people. You know, Merrick Garland is an appointee of Biden at DOJ. We don't think they'll do anything to Planned Parenthood. But the inspector general, we have a chance. The inspector generals, if there's anything that's really pretty close to independent in the federal government that is an independent watchdog, it's the inspector general. So we are going to keep pushing it on all fronts, but we think there's a chance the inspector general uh, will pursue this. They are pursuing a similar investigation of nonprofits. They won't tell us whether they're specifically looking at Planned Parenthood. But from my perch uh, as the ranking Republican, I am able to push this issue. Well, as you mentioned, they're not a small operation, over 16,000 employees, pretty big operation uh, to be trying to cash in on small business 
loans. Now, this issue came up in the last relief bill, the coronavirus COVID-19 relief bill. Uh, You worked behind the scenes to try and and successfully, I should say, uh, kept the the rules from being changed. The House wanted to change it so the money could go to Planned Parenthood. You worked in the Senate through the parliamentarian to ensure that that would not happen. So the law is still on your side. And this is another indication that they believe themselves to have been breaking the law. So what they tried to do, it's complicated. We have something called budget reconciliation, and this is where 50 percent of the senators can pass things. It's a special type of legislative procedure just for the budget. But they pass all kinds of other things through the budget this time. And then the parliamentarian, who's not a senator or elected anything, she gets to decide what is allowable under the budget bill and what is not allowable. And they tried to change this rule on affiliations so Planned Parenthood could get money. And that we argued the point behind the scenes with the parliamentarian and we won and they didn't get to change the law. But the fact that they were trying to change the law indicates they understand that what they are doing by giving money to Planned Parenthood is illegal. But as you know, Planned Parenthood dictates the politics of the left and dictates the politics of the Democrat Party. And uh, I think that uh, they're going to keep giving them money, even though it is overtly against the law. But uh, they also know now that uh, I'm going to be dogged in pursuing this and we're not going to let go. And uh, even if they don't rule in our favor, we will keep publicizing this and hounding them until we get the real information. If they're breaking the law, we want them to stop. Well, one thing I think they know about you uh, is that you're tenacious and you won't let this go. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you when you hear back from the inspector general uh, as to what they might do. Senator Rand Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Danny. All right, folks, don't go away. Uh, When we come back, the legacy media, media and the left continue to portray election reform efforts as voter suppression. But guess what? The American people aren't buying it. John McLaughlin joins me next with a recent survey he released on this topic and more. Don't go away. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history. And it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality, 
by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Yesterday, the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee held a uh, hearing titled Jim Crow 2021. Latest assault on the latest assault on the right to vote. Now, during the uh, the four hour hearing, Democrats continued to push the narrative that election reform legislation we're seeing across the nation are voter suppression bills and that the solution is uh, Democrats for the people act. That's the federal takeover of elections. Um, Here's Senator Dick Durbin and his comments on the election reform efforts that are taking place in 47 states across the country, by the way. These new pieces of legislation may not involve literacy tests or counting the number of jelly beans in a jar like the original Jim Crow. But make no mistake, they are a deliberate effort to suppress voters of color. This is the reality of our political landscape following the Supreme Court's Shelby County versus Holder decision in 2013, which gutted the Voting Rights Act. Some of the new proposed laws requires voters to show ID and cut back early voting. Now, they're reaching. They're doing everything they can to build the narrative that uh, election laws are uh, tilted against certain individuals in this country that our race, our, our election laws are these efforts to reform election laws are racist. They're being aided by the media. But the American people, um, it doesn't look like they're buying it. Joining me now to uh, to talk about a recently released survey of likely voters all across America is uh, pollster John McLaughlin with McLaughlin and Associates. John, welcome uh, to the program. It's a pleasure to be here, Tony. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll have to tell you, John, when I, I look through the, the the poll, the survey, and I really I, I kind of like this stuff. This is one of the areas that I'm a little geeky when I get to numbers. I like to look at numbers because I think they're telling. I think they're telling. I had to read this twice uh, because and I had to look at who you surveyed in this because I thought, oh, he's just surveying conservatives. But yeah. l- let's take this one issue. 
of the election laws in uh, Georgia. Where are the American people on this? Uh, the American people overwhelmingly are in favor of voter ID. I mean, when you look at, and we've done a lot of polling over the past couple of months about, I mean, the Democrats call it the For the People Act. We call it the Corrupt Politicians Act. Uh, but when you give it a fair read, I mean, we asked this in a national survey. It was released last Friday. It was done last week. It says, do you support or oppose voter ID requirements in elections, which requires voters to, to uh, uh, present a valid government-issued form of identification to prove that they are who they say they are when casting their vote or requesting an absentee ballot? And all voters across America said 78 to 17, they support it. And Democrats say they supported 68-24. Republicans supported 90-7. to Independents, 76-18. Uh, African-American voters supported 72-18. to wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me stop you there, John. Re- restate yes. that. Restate that African-American voters support voter ID at what level? 72-18. to 72% support, 18%. And by the way, I read you the wording. I it know. was very simple in a national survey, very straightforward. We know this from surveys that we've done since February. They're posted on our website, McLaughlinOnline.com. And we asked these similar questions in Arizona, in West Virginia, in, in Montana, and in Maine, where Democrat senators are that hold the fate of basically the Corrupt Politicians Act. And there's things in that bill besides abolishing and eliminating voter ID, besides eliminating signature verification, uh, they want to have taxpayer funding of campaigns where they will control what the candidates spend. They want to make the FEC a partisan uh, board instead of the, you know, one Democrat for every one Republican on the board. They want the Federal Election Commission to be a three to two majority appointed by the president, which will railroad Republicans. And also, in their taxpayer funding of the campaigns, they would allow members of Congress and the Senate, on top of their congressional salaries, to pay themselves a salary from the campaign with taxpayer funds. I mean, there's a lot of corruption in that bill. I I, want to go back to this number again, because um, in this divided world in which we live, I don't think you can get 78 percent of the people to say ice cream is good. Right. It's just common sense. They want honest elections. All Americans, all political groups, all ideological groups, all demographic groups, they want an honest election. And and voter ID, which exists in 35 states, makes perfect sense to them. I mean, I live in New York, and they're not allowed to ask for voter ID. And, you know, you've got laws in New York State where if you have interaction with the state government, they automatically enroll you to vote. So in New York State, they're now giving uh, billions of dollars to illegal immigrants based on the governor's new budget, Governor Cuomo's new budget. They're going to give them uh, unemployment benefits. They're going to give them some cash payments. And uh, if they are on have interactions with the government, I don't know how you stop the government from enrolling them to vote in a state where you're not allowed to ask for a voter ID. So, so John, 78 percent of people support voter ID laws. But you just heard that clip of uh, Dick Durbin from Illinois. Uh, the, 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 the narrative that they're building, that uh, these laws, these changes are racist. W- what's going on here? This isn't that they're not representing the people. 
No, this is a they're 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 governing by dividing Americans. And in that same poll, when we asked if Joe Biden kept his promise to uh, to unite Americans, only forty six percent said yes. And um, you've got they're using things, they're using race to scare people and divide people. And you know, people don't want to see their votes canceled out. And if I were, I know from national surveys that have done before this, if I were to say that requiring a form of voter identification to prevent non-citizens from voting, it would be over 80 percent. And people, you know, they know that that right now that that there is fraud that goes on in big city, big city elections. Uh, the majority of voters in a Newsmax poll that we did last uh, November, uh, 51 percent of all Americans thought there was, you know, too much abuse in big cities. And, uh, um, you know, now uh, with the voter ID law or basically what they're calling H.R. 1 and S. 1, uh, this, this for the People's Act, they want to abolish voter identification. And it's really clear. And they want to have all these, you know, drop boxes where they can do ballot harvesting. And there's no way to verify who the ballot came from and and where it went. And so, like, even in Georgia today, in the state of Georgia, which was decided by less than 12,000 votes for president and was the, the state that decided to control the Senate in January, uh, there's, from the November election, there's 380,000 votes that were cast in drop boxes where they have no chain right. of custody. Right. Basically, 380,000. They were picked up by private contractors at whenever, dropped off at the Secretary of State's office whenever. And he can't tell you how many came in Dropbox, how many came in U.S. mail. And we know from a post-election poll that we did in November that uh, if, they, if they were in the 14 percent that told us that they voted by U.S. mail, they voted Trump 50 percent, Biden 49 percent. If they voted in a drop box, the 12 percent that voted in a drop box that was paid for by uh, Mark Zuckerberg, et cetera, um, 73 percent told us that they voted for Biden and only 27 for Trump. Now, those are actual voters. So if there was ballot harvesting and we don't know and if we don't know who if we don't know who that ballot harvest was. Sorry about this. Um, I thought I had it off. But the, uh, uh, if we don't know who the ballot harvesting was done by, right? Knows. And they it put just... those boxes in targeted precincts where they would get that slanted uh, return. Uh, let, let me go, go to another. You mentioned Georgia. I'm going to go to another uh, question in your poll, which I thought thought was very insightful as well. Uh, this was: Please indicate whether you agree or disagree with the following statement. Before Major League Baseball and other corporations boycott Georgia over voter laws, they need to boycott Communist China with whom they hold lucrative business deals and investments with for using slave labor, uh, persecuting Christians and other religions, and prohibiting free and democratic elections. Uh, another one, not very close at all. No, and, and but, but you know what? We put out facts in that, in that question that people don't talk about. And, and in fact, they don't, you know, they, the media rarely covers the persecution of Christians, whether they're Catholic bishops or whomever. They don't cover, they certainly give some coverage to the Uyghurs, not too much. But, and they rarely mention the products that are produced by slave labor in China. And here they are, Georgia's law, the state law that was just passed, actually preserves voter identification, preserves uh, 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 voter ID for absentee ballots. They have early voting. It's more liberal than Delaware, where the president comes from, or New York, where I come from. And 
they basically they launched a boycott that the majority of Americans don't support. Uh, you know, only 42 percent in that poll supported the major league boycott against Georgia moving the all-star game. That's it, among all voters nationally. And uh, uh, then when you tell them about communist China before they actually uh, before they boycott our own state of Georgia, I mean, a president calling for a boycott of Georgia is just ridiculous. Yeah, isn't that isn't that a vulnerability for not just Major League Baseball, but a lot of these big corporations that are profiting uh, from the slave labor in China in that uh, su- supply chain that they uh, tapped into? Um, I mean, as as you said, the American public doesn't really have all these facts because the media doesn't cover it. But because of this hypocrisy by these major corporations and uh, professional sports, the American people may find out more about it. I know they're finding out more about it here on the program today, uh, but we talk about this frequently. This could be, this could be a big backlash down the road, I would think, for some of these corporations. Right, because what they're doing is because of their corruption – they want to corrupt our elections. So they're supporting laws where you don't have voter, or they're supporting changes that they call reforms, that they expand voter participation by abolishing voter ID. So who knows who's voting? Who knows where those ballots have come from? And, 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 and basically, they're doing business with a country that's a communist country, but they don't have free democratic elections. Look what's going on in Hong Kong right now. Mm-hmm. People are losing their civil liberties every day, and it's really not being covered. And in the meantime, the Chinese are basically dictating to their corporate partners over here, uh, you know, what, you know, how how to treat Americans and what to say in big right. tech. And I mean, the cancel culture, that other question in the survey, where we said that cancel culture, do you agree or disagree? It's gone too far and it's a threat to free speech. That's the next one I want to go to. Um, And I want to read this question. Do you agree or disagree with the following statement? Cancel culture has gone too far in America, and instead of uniting the country and bringing Americans together, cancel culture is dividing America, and our free speech rights are being threatened. And this, again, goes back to corporate America. So you have a lot of this deplatforming that's fueling the cancel culture. So this goes back to big tech once again. And they're on the opposite side of the American people. Right. And we we asked that question before that other one about China, so it wouldn't be biased by it. So that's they're just saying that off the top of their head right away, that 73% agree with this, that it's gone too far. They're seeing it around them. They know They probably know friends and family who've been censored or shadow banned on Twitter or Facebook and uh, uh, Instagram, et cetera. They saw it happen to, we'd asked in a survey for President Trump in January during the impeachment process that if big tech could could censor uh, President Trump, they could censor any American. And 74% of all voters agreed with that in the battleground states. So, you know, Americans are seeing their civil liberties, their free speech, their right to go to church has been restricted during this whole pandemic, and now they're seeing it as a, a personal threat to their own freedoms and their privacy, which is a, a, a scary place in America. But as they see it happen, if they get the right leadership, they will push back. And as and and it's getting out there, like on your programs and on other programs. Well, that, that really is kind of my next and final question for you, John McLaughlin. When you you know you track these trends, you look at polling, you see where American people are. But based upon these numbers that you see of uh, really a a public that's incensed by a lot of what is happening, is a pushback on the way? 
Yeah, I believe so. Public opinion is there. When you look at the fact that Gavin Newsom in California, we're talking about the bluest of blue states in California, he's in trouble with a recall. When you look at uh, uh, when you look at New York State, last year Governor Cuomo was being praised by the media. They were giving him Emmys, et cetera. This year, to be honest, I am working for Lee Zeldin, who's running for governor, but he's in trouble. The majority of Americans, not Americans, New Yorkers, in a Siena poll that came out uh, this week, 57% said it's you know they want somebody new as governor. He doesn't deserve re-election. Only 33% thought he should be re-elected. These were the strictest governors during during the right. uh, uh, during the pandemic who restricted civil liberties, freedoms, etc. And they're in trouble. Yeah. And Americans, are, they want the country reopened. They want their schools reopened. They want they want their freedom back. Well, and uh, and it's it's so it's time to exercise back. those voices and to uh, to push back. Uh, John McLaughlin, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. As always, great to talk with you. Very insightful data. Very very interesting. Thank you for the opportunity, Tony. All right, folks, and I want to thank you for joining us as well today. Let me again remind you, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray, Vote, Stand. We'll be uh, taking a deeper look at uh, the decision in Minneapolis yesterday, uh, the Department of Justice announcement today of further investigations. What might this do to crime and law enforcement in America? We're going to be talking and praying about that tonight. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.